fast of moving upstream. Yeah. Shoshone falls in 10,000 years will be over towards Murtaugh. It won't be where it is today because it will slowly erode the lip of that that cliff. So, So you're also saying that Shoshone Falls is moving backwards by... We had these massive six, seven, eight foot diameter trees living in Idaho 50 million years ago when it was like like the Pacific Northwest coast, like wet and, and cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm here underneath Twin Falls. <laughs> this is the Prine Cooley Cave. Right. And everybody's like right you're misleading the masses I'm aren't mis- you're, you're, you know you're you know you're I'm like trying, trying to, to preach the truth and you're, you're out trying there to, yeah, steering you're like the devil on their shoulder what's <laughs> the story here is so, like is this our future this is 2022 is looking it, like this it's it's, it's it's a possible future not a likely future but it's also your past and so now what exactly is this book about like what uh right. and you said four years to go ahead and write this yeah and luckily it's probably more narrow it was a better canyon for evil Knievel to jump yeah <laughs> before the bonneville flood yeah the bonneville flood deepened the canyon and widened it oh. with all that erosion. thousands of years every time there's a volcanic eruption the lava fills in the canyon and the poor snake river is forced to start all over i got to start another canyon here yes. we go okay. and cutting down there the canyon we think was maybe half as deep as it is today before the bonneville flood oh. so no base jumping Eight, yeah, no 18,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah, you you didn't is. have enough time to open your chute and land yeah. safely. No, yeah. no, it's not. Our aquifer is in solid rock. So all the aquifer, all the groundwater in southern Idaho. Double check. And this one's recording too? And is this set to MF2? Bam. We got it. It takes, a, it takes a while to get this uh, rig up a little bit. Ideally, I need two people, I feel like. Right but there would not be that much stuff for them to do other than put people in focus right. and things like that. Right. You don't have the workload yet. I don't have the or workload. Or the budget. Or the budget. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, I was talking to uh, Dr. Tremaine, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, you need to give me like a, uh, an intern from CSI is what I was telling him, you right. know, that way, uh, I could teach him about editing and they could put me in focus. They have like a video, there are programs related to what you're doing yeah. where you could probably, and they have to get student intern hours. They have to get some like experience somehow. So I need to message that person that runs that and be like, hey, we have this thing happening at Visit Southern Idaho. I think it's, is it Laura? I, I could probably find out who it is. And then you could email them and say, hey, I've got this production thing going on, podcasting, whatever. And people would love it. If someone wants to come and get some experience. Yeah, um, it's it's slave labor. Yeah, it's slave labor. Yeah, that's what, well, my book, like all the graphic design in my first uh-huh. book, like was CSI students. Oh, really? Like, I don't have time for this, and I don't know how to do it, and I don't oh. want to learn it. And, so, and then they just mm-hmm. come in and they did it, and did they it. get it in their portfolio, and they get like the you know the experience. They count it towards like their you know their internship credit and stuff. So gotcha. Yeah, yeah. that's a it's like a win win for everybody. It's mm-hmm. like hey, you're helping me here, I'm helping there, and so forth. Right. Okay, so um, we we roll on everything. We just. Psh- Everything yeah. is a go. So welcome to a new podcast. Ba-ba-da-bum. Today I have Sean. And Sean, I always I'd mispronounce your last name. Uh, somebody, I was telling somebody like Sean Weasley, like from Harry Potter, but that's not correct. No, that's not right. That's not correct. It's Will C. Will C. Yeah. Will, Sean Will C. Yes. Will C. Like, I, we'll see you later. We'll see. There it is. There you go. That's what I need. Uh, I was yeah. forgetting to... It's not Willisee or Will Z uh-huh. or Weasley. It's Will C. But Will I've C. I've heard it all. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, 
now I know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Awesome. So I guess what I kind of wanted to first start off with you was like, uh, so for people that don't know who you are, I'm like, oh, who's this guy? You know what I mean? Like, right. can you tell me like, what is it that you do at like CSI? Because that's where you're currently working right now. Yeah, so I'm the geology professor at CSI. I've been there since 2004. So my main job is uh, teaching geology classes, both to non-majors, people just taking a science gen ed credit. But then I also have uh, students, a few students who are interested in geology as a program in a career path. And so um, I, I help supervise them and mentor them and help them kind of prepare for transferring and majoring in geology and careers in geology. Gotcha. And... Uh... Let me ask you this. If we go back in time, is this like when you were a kid, you were like, man, I want to be a geologist. You know, were you playing with rocks? Like, let's right. go, let's go rewind yeah, the time. How did I end up here, right? How did you end up uh, uh, here yeah. itself? I think my dad was in the Air Force, so we lived all over. Um, and I remember sitting in the car on long drives as we were moving and stuff and just looking out the window. There weren't tablets and distractions and things back then. And mm -hmm. I was all, always interested in looking at maps to see where we were. So I'd kind of follow along on the map and yeah. be like, okay, that's that mountain. And up ahead, we should cross a river. Um, but I never really thought of geology at all. I wasn't into really rocks. I was into dinosaurs, and this was before Jurassic Park. So you were or you weren't? I were. I was. Oh, as, you were. As a, as a little kid, um, kind of like from, I don't know, like kindergarten to probably fifth grade, I was big into dinosaurs, mm -hmm. um, but never, you know, so then, you know, you go to junior high and that's crazy and you go to high school and that's weird. And, and then you end up in college. college. So in college, is this where you then made a decision? You're like, I'm going to be a geologist. So not immediately. I, I went to college because I knew that was the right thing to do and you're supposed mm -hmm. to. And so I just went to college like everyone else. And, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. And yeah. I thought I, I liked being outside at this point. I'm like, okay, I like hiking, I like being outside. So I thought I wanted to be a forest ranger. Okay. So I took a forestry class and we went on a field trip one day up into the mountains and we were looking at trees and measuring trees. And, and I realized this is great, but I'm not really excited about trees. I appreciate mm -hmm. them, but I don't want to devote my life to studying trees. And so a year later, I don't even know how I registered for it, but I took a geology class, just geology 101 and really enjoyed it. And so I took another and another, and that snowballed into majoring in geology. In geology right. itself. I guess maybe you can try to tell me like what intrigued you about the profession itself and like what was like, so, you know, you didn't, you know, like forest, trees, nah, but like, uh, geology, like what, what appealed to you? What was different about it? Yeah, I think it was like the, the kind of like the mystery of a landscape. So you just look at something and I think people are, most people are pretty curious about like, well, how'd that get there? You know, you look at something like the canyon or a big mountain, or you're just like, what's the story behind that? Like, how mm -hmm. did that actually come to be? And geology was this, this gateway, this like path of, of education that led me to being able to figure that out and, you know, and it's detective work, really. You're just trying to collect the clues that nature has given you mm -hmm. to try to figure out what's happened in the past. And that really intrigued me. So you, you were like, I like being a detective, figuring out what happened here. And that seemed way more appealing than trees. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Gotcha. So, um, uh, and this was, did you take these courses at CSI or was it, where, where'd you go to school? No. So I was at, in, down in Utah at Weber State in mm -hmm. Ogden. Um, so that's where I started taking geology classes. And I was, I was, I was three years into college before I actually declared a major. 
Um, So it took me, I kind of took the long route through college. um, But once I decided to major in geology, then it was not just geology classes, but, you know, calculus, a couple uh, semesters of physics and chemistry. So it's a rigorous major, um, but I was really devoted to, you know, learning all I could, never really thinking about where it was going to take me. Like, I had no idea if you were to ask me in college, like, okay, what are you going to be doing with this in five years? I had no clue. I just knew... I had to major in something and get a degree, and this really got me excited. Gotcha. Um, now, is like Indiana Jones like a geologist? <laughs> no, he's an archaeologist. He, he's an archaeologist. Yes. So okay, so there's a there's yeah. a difference. So, right. so he's looking for uh, archaeology stuff, but you're more interested in the rocks and its history yeah. of itself. So, so a couple, like archaeology is like, you know, ancient human history and, and remains and artifacts and that. And then there's geography, mm-hmm. which is more about where things are. Like what's the capital of Colombia? What's the dominant religion in, you know, South Africa, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that could be political geography or whatever. And then there's geology, which is basically the study of the earth. But those are often confused, those different gotcha. disciplines. So um now um so you you said you majored somewhere in Arizona again, right? No, or Utah. Utah. Yeah, Utah. We, Weber Sorry. State. Yep. Uh and then what uh how did you end up in Twin Falls? So the the quick version of that is so I graduated from Boy or from uh, Weber State with my bachelor's degree, but mm-hmm. I didn't know again what I wanted to do with it. And towards the end of that last year, I had a professor ask me, "Well, what are you going to do next?" And I said, "I don't know." And he said, "Well, did you think about? Have you thought about going to graduate school?" And yeah. so, um, in talking to him about that, I decided to continue my education, and I went to Arizona, to Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff to get a master's degree. Uh, then after I got that degree, um, I was unemployed for two months. So there I am with my master's degree yeah, and my, and my student this. loans. Yeah, and I got master's degree, student loans. Right. Somebody needs to give me a job. Right. So luckily my wife was working and we were able to, you know, survive, but I got a job in Salt Lake City, hmm. um, working for a consulting company doing groundwater work. And so we would... What's that? So basically like helping um, cities and de- real estate developers and other people decide where to drill for water. Like let's say oh, you, okay. you, you bought 100 acres up near Park City yeah. and you're going to build all these homes and make a bunch of money or a golf course or whatever. Well, you need water and mm-hmm. you can't just drill a hole anywhere and get that water. You have to have like a, a study done to figure out where's the best place to drill. And so we did that. And among other things, we did water rights disputes. Like so whenever... There was a dispute between maybe like a city and a developer about <clears throat> you you your your well is is uh, reducing the flow of my spring or something like that. We yeah. got, we would get involved with that as like expert testimony, and I really liked consulting work. Oh, sounds but interesting. It, but yeah. as I looked up the food chain and thought, okay, where am I going to be in five years and ten years? I saw myself, you know, g- making more money, but ultimately I would be doing management. I would be supervising employees. Um, managing budgets, getting new yeah, contracts. That's not fun. Well, it's not geology. Yeah, it's either. not. You, yeah, you're you're away from what you originally exactly. intrigued you, and then you're not even in the field. You're right. in that office, and then you're not doing anything like that, other than telling people go do this, go do that, and right. so forth. And yeah. so I, I did that for two years, and then in my last year there, I started teaching part time at Salt Lake Community College, and mm-hmm. that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot how much I love college and just learning, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and that sort of thing. So during that last year in the consulting job, I started to also apply for teaching positions. And I got one down in Southern California in the middle of the desert, a tiny little town called Blythe, like hot between, you know, between Los Angeles and Phoenix, right in the middle of the desert. 
was there two years, and at the end of that second year, that's when I uh, applied for a job at CSI. College, yeah, CSI in Twin Falls. So do you know you didn't have any family here or anything like that? No you just basically you got you were like, uh, what did you? Well, here's a good question. What did you think? Because uh, CSI then probably uh, had an interview with you maybe Zoom or in-person? No, it was in-person. Oh, in-person? So you came from California to Twin to do the interview itself? Yes. And uh, what did you think of Twin Falls when you came here? What was your first impression, I guess? Well, I'd lived all over the West because my dad was in the Air Force and, and then you know going around for college and that. But I'd never, I'd driven through Twin Falls a long time ago. There was a, a day when my wife and I were dating where we left Utah, drove to Craters of the Moon for oh, okay. the day, and then looped back to Twin Falls to see Shoshone Falls and then drove back to Salt Lake, like a huge, long, crazy day. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, But I didn't know there was a college here. I didn't know much about it. Um, and I remember getting off the freeway, coming to Twin, and thinking, man, it's flat here. Like, yeah. like I'm used to mountains. Like, the mountains yeah. are a long way out there. But then, of course, you know, everyone knows kind of how this story goes, hopefully. And that is, you know, as you get closer to Twin, then there's the canyon. Yeah. So then there's this huge, amazing canyon right under my feet that I didn't expect, really. I, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't remember that from when we were here before. Um, and so that really captivated me. And so um, at that point, we were just so eager to get out of California. That, yeah, you're like, oh, this place looks good. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we were fine with, you know, okay, Twin Falls. Sure, that's great. Close to close enough yeah. to family and, and that sort of CSI, thing. And CSI, you know, uh, so the CSI interviews you and then you basically, yeah, bam, you're hired. Yeah. So I took the job. Um, big pay cut was making a lot more money in California. Oh, well, yeah, but... obviously people in California, <laughs> they're making like bonkers money, like, uh, that's why people in Idaho, they're like, mm, hey, uh, you right. know, that's, uh, we're not getting yeah. that much money. But it was a lot cheaper to live here. So oh, yeah. less salary, but also less cost of living. There you go. And so we, and yeah. it's, Twin Falls is a really nice place. You know, it's like right. a, it's not giant city. It's like a manageable itself. You can still do a loop around the whole city in like 20 minutes. Yeah. You don't have to deal with all the congestion and traffic problems, um, but it has most of the amenities most people would want. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, for us, it was a great size. It was a great location for me to, to teach geology. And mm -hmm. we obviously fell in love with it because we've been here for 17 how, years. So you've been teaching uh, at CSI 7. This is what my next question is yeah. like, how long have you been teaching? Since 2004. So I guess I'm starting my 18th year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've been teaching uh the same class for that long well some new classes oh, when i new classes. when i got here we only had uh, a couple of geology classes oh, okay. and so i added some new ones and you know like we've introduced some new classes and and that sort of thing so it, it never gets old some people ask me like well you just teach the same thing every every semester doesn't that uh, well, geology is always changing because there's cool things happening, like volcanoes erupting underwater and tsunamis and earthquakes and everything. And you get new students. So every semester... It's like a fresh batch of yeah. people. They're like so excited to see, you know... Oh. Yeah, and, and new perspectives. Like they ask me questions where I'm like, I never thought of that. Like I have never considered what you just asked me. And that's in, that's exciting. To me, that's like interesting. Is like yeah. um, People asking questions. They're like, this is what I'm going to do with the podcast is just come on and just ask people questions. Right. And then and then they're like, I'll answer your question, you know? Yeah. So I guess what I also wanted to talk about was, uh, well, let's also mention this. You have not one book, you have two books. Yeah. So I've gotten interested in the last, I don't know, decade or so with geology education for the public. Mm -hmm. And so again, the, my first impression of Twin Falls was coming across that bridge, seeing that canyon. There's a sign that's still there next to the road that says geologic site ahead, right? As you come over the bridge, there's a sign right there. Yeah. 
And yet when you pull into the visitor center, especially in the old days, you know, 15, 20 years ago, there's no information about what you're looking at. There's nothing to tell the public how this canyon formed, what the rocks represent, what the story is there. Mm-hmm. And so that became like sort of like my, my outside of teaching, like the thing I was passionate about. And you so, wanted to kind of educate the general public yeah. about uh, the the geology in southern Idaho itself. We have this amazing geologic story in southern Idaho in different places, not just the canyon, you know, Mm -hmm. out at Balanced Rock and Bruno Dunes and Box Canyon, all these cool places that now are getting out and people are becoming aware of, but there's still so little information. They don't know how it's made or how it became there. Right. And I've learned that people, a lot of times people don't care. Like if you're just sitting back and I'm telling you about someplace in Colorado, you're like, well, that's nice. But if you're there, like if you're at the location, you're like, well, okay, I'm kind of interested in this because I'm looking at it. I'm, yeah. I'm right here right now. And so that started, um, we built we built some uh, interpretive displays behind Canyon Crest along the Rim Trail. That was mm-hmm. kind of like my first venture into doing that. And then the books were the second one. So the so there's a series put out by Mountain Press Publishing in, in uh, Missoula, Montana called Geology Underfoot. And every year or so, a new title would come out for some location, Geology Underfoot in Washington, Geology Underfoot in Southern Utah. And yeah. every year I kept thinking, man, so it's going to be great one year. Someone will put out one for Idaho, and that will be great. And I kept waiting, and it never happened. And you're like, I'm... And so finally, I'm just like, well, maybe I could write that book. And so mm-hmm. I, it was a pretty easy process, and I contacted the publisher, and they're like, sure, go for it. Um, we'll see what happens. And it took me, you know, four years, but I got four it. Four years to write. Uh, is it that the book? You want to grab the book by any chance so I can kind of sh- sh- uh, show them as well? So you got the books. We've got books. You know, I was talking uh, to uh, Tremaine. He did uh, the one about the... Uh, canals yeah or the something? canal history right the canal history right i think uh another person is working on like uh, some other books i'll keep that on the download you right. know until the book comes out you know right but uh yeah so this is the book you know i saw this and i was like whoa that's cool because mm-hmm. you know you got like lava and then you got the prime bridge so this is kind of like a like a like a modern slash uh old so i don't know like i was like yeah what's the story what's the story here is like is this our future this is 2022 is looking like this it's 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 a possible future not a likely future but it's also your past and so the publisher when we got to around to the cover i'm like well what, what do we do with the cover and they're like well we like to show a past or future geologic event in kind of an iconic landscape and so i could have picked anything in southern utah uh-huh. uh, it's hard to sh- make you know an earthquake look very exciting as a static image and so i yeah. thought about the fact that we've had all these volcanoes erupt in the snake river plain the lava from those eruptions usually it always goes downhill and it usually ends up in the snake river yeah and so it's, most, it's like water like the, the canals right. go into the snake river basically yeah and so if, if it wasn't for the bridge in there and some buildings it, it could easily be a past uh you know a rendition of an event that took place in our, our geologic past but i chose to put the bridge in there because it is possible not again likely and definitely not likely in our lifetime but there is a possibility there would be an eruption and that eruption would go down into the Snake River Canyon. And so I worked with the illustrator 
to make sure it was, you know, as accurate as possible geologically, you know, not like a big towering steep volcano like a Mount St. Helens, which yeah. would not be the right kind of volcano, but it was kind of like Lord of the Rings, you know, the yeah. Eye of Sauron, you know, yeah, Mount Doom, right? <laughs> Mount Doom. Yeah. With like Hawaiian just... style lavas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is so, first of all, this, this grabs my attention right off the bat. It's like, whoa, what's this? Is this old or new? Um, now what exactly is this book about like what uh right. and you said four years to go ahead and write this yeah and luckily the college uh helped me out with a sabbatical one semester and that really got it moving forward because you know something i was doing on the side in addition to my teaching mm -hmm. um but that book is basically another effort in trying to convey to the public whether they're interested in geology or, or maybe very casually interested in the amazing geologic stories of southern idaho yeah. and so i picked 23 places scattered across southern idaho um, that i thought had cool geologic stories and i tell people how to, how to get there specifically where, where to go to see certain things and then you know in a few easy uh, pages with some pictures and stuff explain to them what they're looking at, what the oh, geologic story is. And so I try to make genius. it diverse. You yeah, know, like so, not, so this book basically is kind of like, like, go here and this is what you're looking at. It's kind of like a guidebook, yeah. And, and some of them are places like right off the road, like you uh -huh. can just you know pull up in your car and there it is. And some you have to like walk or take a little bit of effort to get to. Um, but I tried to make them different. I didn't want to have 23 stories of like, here's more lava let's go look at more lava. So mm -hmm. I picked different things. And some places are things that most Idaho residents will be familiar with, like Hagerman Fossil Beds or Box Canyon or something like that. But then there's some places that are more obscure um, that you haven't heard of, like maybe Malm Gulch up by Chalice or um, Spence Gulch, which is down by Bear Lake, where okay. there's some really cool trilobite fossils. Um, so yeah, so just getting some of these stories, stories out. out there. Yep. You know, I've been telling people this and uh, I don't know if this is true, but you're the perfect guy for this. Blue Heart. Blue Heart Springs, yeah. Yeah, I've been telling people that it's uh, because there was like a cyclone that dug deep down there. And, okay. And uh, <laughs> I'm um, like, I'm like, I don't know where I got this info. Right. Well, it's an exciting story. But so, yeah, I was and, like, uh, yeah, because imagine like a whirlpool. It's like mm -hmm. a whirlpool, right? And it's basically digging uh, and then uh, exposing the sand. Right. Excavating a pit. Excavating right. a pit, and then that's where the uh, the, springs the spring comes mm -hmm. out. Right. Is uh, the uh, whatever. Yeah. So, so I was like, I don't know where I got that. Somebody told me this. Right. And then and I just. Now you're telling thousands now, of people. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling people this. <laughs> so I was like, do you have any information about this? Is it Whirlpool, Cyclone? What are they called? Uh, like, um, I've been to Blue Heart Springs. I don't. Like, I don't remember this story. I don't want to say that your story is a total <laughs> fabrication because there might be, there's possibly some. Some truth. Some truth nuggets it. in there. Um yeah. But there definitely wasn't a, I mean, what we had was we had the Bonneville flood come through yeah, there. So, so we had a flood, a massive flood come through the Snake River Plain, through the Snake River Corridor. And you definitely had vortices or, you know, you want to call them tornadoes in the water or whatever mm -hmm. that would have caused um, substantial erosion and an excavation yeah. of the, the material below. And then you could, and then you, the springs, you, know, you get it down low enough and then it intersects the groundwater. The and groundwater itself. Right. So let's talk about the Bonneville flood, right? Because right? like, uh, you know, I hear little bits and pieces about it. And then, and then I'm like, I don't know who to trust, but bam, boom, you, yeah. you're probably pretty good uh, with, uh, you know, 
what the heck happened there or so forth. And I don't think everybody even has a full set down story. These are just theories. Yeah, the Bonneville flood's interesting because it's one of these huge geologic events. Uh-huh. And there were a couple big you know, technical geology papers written years ago on it. But it's this story that's like still so undertold and underappreciated, especially. I think people that live here have kind of heard of it, but like you, they've got a few. Tits and bits like what? Yeah, huh? little, flood? Little tidbits in their head, but they're like, I don't have the whole story and I probably couldn't put it together. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Like, like so, so th- this is how I understand it. There is a giant lake somewhere in Utah, okay. like Salt Lake City, right? Yeah. It built up right. and then it burst or something like that. Right. And then the water had to go somewhere. So the water then basically, the Snake River was the path it chose because it was the least resistance. That's 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 pretty good. That's, something like that's, that? Yeah, basically, yeah, we had a big freshwater lake where the Great Salt Lake is today. The climate was cooler, it was wetter. How long ago was this? Like, uh, like I think from like, 35,000 years up until like 17,000 years. That was uh-huh. kind of like, this lake probably existed prior to that too, but that was kind of like its its heyday. And that lake doesn't exist. That's not the Salt Lake. It uh, is the Salt it Lake. It is the Salt so Lake. So the, it just used to be bigger in different shapes. It was bigger. It was freshwater. It was deeper. And it was all of those things because the climate was cooler and wetter. Mm-hmm. So now it's hot these days. And so we're down, we have this salty puddle in Northern Utah, but back yeah. then it was cooler and wetter and it was freshwater instead of salt water. And it was way bigger. It was a thousand feet deep at the deepest. Uh, it reached into Idaho. It reached into Nevada. Um, and it, what's interesting about the Great Salt Lake is it's an enclosed basin without an outlet. So most lakes, water comes in and then water goes out. Think of like yeah. Redfish Lake, right? Redfish Lake, water comes in out of the sawtooth, goes into Redfish Lake, but then water comes out the bottom end and goes into the Salmon River. But the Great Salt Lake has no outlet. And so that's why it's salty today. But back then it was big lake, Lake Bonneville. And what's cool about the story, this is the part most people don't know, it's like, well, why would it, why would it spill over? Yeah. Like, what would cause that? And what we think happened was there was an eruption. There was, there's a river, the Bear River, which flows. This makes a little more sense with a map. Um, so if people want to pull out a map, this will make more sense. But there's <laughs> yeah. the, the Uinta Mountains in northern Utah. There's mm-hmm. the Bear River drains off the north side of the Uintas. And back then, with the Uintas having glaciers, the Bear River would have been huge. So it would have had a lot of water in it. Yeah. And if you look at a map, the Bear River flows north. It's heading towards Idaho. In fact, it comes into Idaho near Soda Springs. Yeah. But then right at Soda Springs, if you look at a map, it does a complete U-turn. It does a 180 and heads back to the south. Well, what happened was about 50,000 years ago, there was an eruption of lava in that area that uh, built the land up such that it diverted the river. So the Bear River used to go into the Snake River, used to be a tributary to the Snake River, but when that eruption took place, it diverted the Bear River into Lake Bonneville. And so when you add a big river like that to a lake, you're going to bring the lake level up. Level up, up. yes. And so it rose and it rose and it rose until it finally reached that tipping point about 17,000 years ago where it was up against its kind of lowest natural divide uh, and it started to pour over. Uh-huh. And when it started to pour over, the water started cutting through all those gravels, kind of like a knife through butter, and it started unleashing the water. Now, it didn't go all in one bang, so it's not like all the water in the lake came out at once. Yeah, I was thinking, like, like I have heard this, like that giant flood, and it was taking bulldozers, and they're like these 
giant sized boulders are like flooding around, jumping yeah. around. So you're saying that this was a gradual? Well, it was gradual because it was a, there was a constriction at the point where it was released. But once it started cutting down, it uh -huh. started releasing more and more and more water. Okay. I guess what I'm trying to make sure we're we're avoiding is the image of like a wall of water, like yeah. a wave coming yeah, down. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was always like envisioning, my God, I would love to be here when the Bonneville flood happened. I know a lot of people say this too. They right. all say like, I would love to be when the Bonneville flood was here. And then I would see this giant wall of water just right. like rushing in or so forth. But that basically makes it so that the carve of it is already there. But it it wasn't right so the 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 the, the lake started spilling over it started cutting down mm -hmm. um and it dropped the lake level by the time it cut down it cut down 400 feet so basically okay. you have this huge lake as big as lake michigan uh -huh. and you're going to take the upper 400 feet of that lake and send that downstream down in, south or something into idaho. Or, well yeah. into idaho and north into idaho so it goes it goes into pocatello okay so think about it this way too when the water's going through a broad area then it's not very deep and it's not moving very fast. So mm -hmm. it's not doing a whole lot. But when it's going through a narrow area, just like you're putting your thumb over a garden hose, then you increase the velocity. Cuts it. And cuts it, it cuts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened here locally is that water came into the Snake River Plain where the Snake River was broad, like around like uh, Massacre Rocks and American Falls, then it was broad. But where it was more narrow, which would be like around Twin Falls, then it had a lot more erosional mm. um, energy to cut down. And that's where, the, now the canyon was already here. The other misnomer people have is that, well, the Bonneville flood created the That's Snake what River I was canyon. thinking is like, but the canyon was, that's what I, I that's another tidbit. Yeah. We're connecting all yeah, the tidbits. We're, we're, and we're, we're destroying myths here too. So the canyon was already there, but it was smaller. It was mm -hmm. probably more narrow. It was a better canyon for Evil Knievel to jump yeah. <laughs> before the Bonneville flood. Because yeah. the Bonneville flood deepened the canyon and widened it oh. with all that erosion. How energy. long how long has it been cutting, I guess? Like the, the Snake River yeah, or has, how long has it been cutting the Snake River from its original form, I guess? The flood or just the Snake River in general? Oh, well, just uh, after the flood, I guess. So that's probably like yeah, 17,000 years or something like that, you said? Yeah, the, the flood was 17,000 years ago. The Snake River is tricky because here's the other cool tidbit, and this kind of ties with the cover of the book. Um, water flows through the lowest point, right? So it makes sense that the river's down there at the bottom of the canyon. But when these eruptions occur, the lava also goes into the Snake River. Mm -hmm. So there's been times in the past where volcanic eruptions have sent lava flows into the Snake River Canyon, completely filled it to the rim. Not to the, the top? Not the canyon you see today. Probably oh. smaller, shallower canyons. Oh, okay. Filling up those older... Yeah, because this material has got to go somewhere. It's got to go somewhere. It's going to the lowest point. It would fill it up, form a lava dam, and then the river gets rerouted around it. And so the point is, is that the Snake River's path through southern Idaho has changed dramatically mm -hmm. over thousands of years. Every time there's a volcanic eruption, the lava fills in the canyon and the poor Snake River is forced to start all over. I got to start another canyon. Here yes. we go. <laughs> and cutting down slowly, slowly, then another eruption occurs and maybe diverts it. And so it, it's, it's, it's been this constant game of the, the lava and the water fighting over the real estate, the landscape in Southern yeah. Idaho. Have you ever been to the Bruno Dune Overlook? Yeah. Oh my Bruno God. Bruno Canyon Overlook. Bruno Canyon yes. Overlook. Yes. People are missing out on yeah. that gem. Holy smokes. I went over there and I was like, this canyon is freaking deep. Yeah. I think like, it's almost twice as deep as our canyon. Twice. Imagine yeah. going to like, this is, and this is within like, I would say maybe like an hour and a half, maybe 
an hour or 45 minutes yeah, it's to not, yeah not even max. that far it's you can just go, past the dunes right yeah past yeah. the dunes mm-hmm. you can go to this canyon and it's so deep you're thinking it's twice as deep uh, i think it's like eight to nine hundred feet so it's pretty close to twice as deep as is that as deep as the grand canyon no like, not nearly as deep the, as the, grand canyon. the grand canyon is deeper than that because yes. I, I looked at that i was like my god i've never been to the grand canyon the, and i was like this oh, is gonna be to as go. yeah. this is gonna be as deep <laughs> as the grand canyon no the grand canyon is a mile deep five thousand or so feet deep and way wider oh, okay hell's canyon's much deeper too but Bru- the bruno canyon is impressive because it's deep but it's fairly narrow like, yeah so so you look straight down but you don't look across very far yeah it looked amazing i was like yeah. this is cool uh so yeah i really like uh um i really like being in like canyons that are like the walls are near you so that mm-hmm. way you kind of feel like you know like you're, yeah. you're you're part of it like black magic canyon black magic canyon and yeah. i was i was just recently also at uh zion and they have mm-hmm. that the uh, narrows the narrows mm-hmm. people don't like these people need to drop whatever they're doing go because like the way i like to think about black magic canyon is it's kind of like idaho's version of the narrows itself right. you yeah, know it's what i mean sl- it's a slot canyon slot it's canyon. a narrow it's a narrow canyon cut through rock mm-hmm. uh and it's it's a cool adventure because you don't know what's around the next corner and you, you have to scramble sometimes and it's kind of like this little obstacle course um, and how a, did how did that get for the same principle as well but from what uh uh water source is that cutting from i guess so that's the bigwood river but which, bigwood river mm-hmm, which comes out of ketchum and stanley or, or ketchum in a sun valley uh-huh. um so that has an interesting story too um the black magic canyon the bigwood river uh, there's the eruption up by the Shoshone ice caves. So when you go up by the Shoshone ice cave, there's all this black lava rock everywhere, basalt. Yeah. And that eruption only took place about 10, 11,000 years ago. So that, so erup- that was after the flood, obviously. After the flood, um, the Bigwood River was already there on the uh-huh. landscape flowing from you know Ketchum and Sun Valley towards the Snake River. But then this eruption takes place. And where does the lava go? into the Bigwood River. So the Bigwood River, which probably was not a very deep channel or canyon, gets filled in with lava and the river gets diverted and has to cut a new one. So when you go to Black Magic Canyon, that's a pretty young canyon. That landscape Mm -hmm. is only 10, 11,000 years old because that's where the Big River got moved to when the eruption took place and, and the lava filled in the old canyon, it shifted it over. Shifted into a new canyon. I really like well, that. Well, it shifted it to a location where it made a new canyon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I really like that place too because it's like so cool being in there, mm-hmm. especially when it gets like really narrow or so forth. Right. Um, I tried going there a couple of days ago. Very hard. Like uh, snow yeah. has covered it completely. Right. Not a great time to go right now. Uh, yeah, and it can be icy down at the bottom. The rocks are slippery. Yeah. Um, uh, but again, what an amazing adventure! I always like go to the same spot. I hike in. I don't. The first time I did, I hiked for like two, three hours in it, mm. and then I was like, "Okay, I'm pretty sure I'm not doing this correct." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's weird because it's it's called Black Magic Canyon, but there's actually yeah, where several you know where sections. That, do you know where it gets that name? Because the I'm rocks sure. are obviously black. Right, black basalt. Um, it, it is somewhat magical. You have these cool shapes and sculpted, you know, ethereal shapes in the rock, and so maybe that's the magic part. Um, yeah. I don't think there was. Well, a, a I don't think it was a location of witchcraft or anything. <laughs> yeah. I always I always do this thing where I go Black Magic Canyon, right. and then I make an orb up here, and then uh, it's like 
part of the joke. Yeah. Black Magic Canyon. Right. And then people are impressed. So. And then they're like, wow. Yeah. But it's interesting because there's a part by the by the highway that some people explore that's most accessible. I don't like that one. No. It's, and then there's the place that I think most of us go to that's um, uh, further south and east of this volcano called Kinsey Butte. And that probably has the longest... Maybe it's about a mile or so section where you can kind of continuously stay in the slot. We'll have to kind of sh- share notes. I'll show you where I go so that okay. way that way you can make sure. Yeah. Like if you haven't been to this one spot, my spot is like you park by this dam. Yeah, the diversion dam. That's uh, the, the same spot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can That's... either go downstream or upstream. Most people go upstream. Yes. Uh, but if you go downstream, there's some cool stuff. What's cool about that canyon too is every time we have a big spring snowmelt or something where they have to release water back into the, the channel of the Bigwood River, all that gravel gets moved and uh, it changes it. So you might go through a section one year and, well, it was really deep and narrow. And then you come back the next year and you're like, wait a minute, like this was deep last year. Now it's not as deep because well, it's been filled in with gravel. So that mm-hmm. gravel's continuously moving, scouring out some areas, filling in others. And so it's a kind of evolving little so landscape. I, I had this theory that that section by the diversion dam up north it's always like empty but i i that's not the case i feel like sometimes it gets filled yeah so there's water in there uh during the irrigation season and that's why you can't yeah depending on which section you're going in uh it's not a good place to go in the summer there's also a lot of snakes out there oh i Um, ran into a rattlesnake over there you can hear like yeah. And I was like, ooh, this is one <laughs> snake you want to avoid. Yeah. I was at the CSI Reptile Review, and they're like, one snake you got to be worried about is these rattlesnake. Everything yeah. else is like, you'll be fine, but this rattlesnake, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, so that's a very interesting spot itself. What about, let's talk about, I like this one, uh, Shoshone Falls. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like our main attraction here right. itself. Uh, so... I guess why did why didn't that get carved down either too? Is it that type of rock or yeah? So Shoshone Falls and the lower section of the canyon is a different rock type. So most of the the rock in southern Idaho is basalt, which comes from these very runny lava flows. Yeah, but below that is this rock called rhyolite, and that rock is harder. It's a totally different type of uh, chemistry, and it formed when our this part of Idaho, Twin Falls, was sitting above the Yellowstone hotspot. So about eight million years ago. The same volcano that's under Yellowstone today was underneath Twin Falls. We had explosive eruptions, and you can go to the South Hills or head down towards Jackpot or go north towards like the Mount Bennett Hills to see those layers of ash. They're still uh, preserved around us. Um, But that rhyolite was just either explosively erupting or in the case of Shoshone Falls was this kind of thick, pasty, almost toothpaste-like consistency of lava that erupted. So mm-hmm. it's very resistant. That's why we have the falls there. And then the Bonneville flood provided enough energy to cut the canyon deep enough to to reach that rhyolite and form the falls. So the falls weren't there before the Bonneville flood. The falls weren't there before no. the Bonneville yeah. flood? And then the, the Bonneville flood happened, carved it, and then the falls happened. Right. The, the, the Bonneville flood cut deep enough to expose the rhyolite. Oh. Um, and there's probably a fracture or something going on there. There's a discontinuity where um, you know the water is dropping over a lip. And if you get water falling even a short distance... It starts of, cut, cutting down. Yeah, and it starts making a plunge pool at the base, and so you can over time make that waterfall taller. Oh. Yeah, and that's true of of Twin Falls to some degree, and then you have Shoshone Falls and 
Pillar Falls wasn't there before the Bonneville flood. Auger Falls wasn't really there. The canyon, we think, was maybe half as deep as it is today before the Bonneville flood. Oh. So no base jumping <laughs> yeah, no 18,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah, you you it, didn't have enough time to open your chute and land yeah, safely. Sure. No, yeah. no, it's not enough time. Right. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting. And then uh, what about uh, another one we, we have? City of Rocks. Right. Oh, my gosh. That place, again, magical. You know, like, uh, how did those rock just get there? Did, did, like, like I don't, I don't get it. You know. Yeah. So, City of Rocks is an older story. It doesn't have to deal with volcanoes and some of the other stuff we've been talking about. City of Rocks is mostly granite, and granite is magma that cools underground very slowly, so it develops crystals, bigger crystals, and those rocks are about twenty-eight million years old. So basically, at the City of Rocks area, 28 million years ago, underground, there was a magma chamber that cooled and crystallized, solidified into rock. Mm -hmm. Then we had the area get uplifted to form the mountain chain that goes from City of Rocks to Pomerel to Lake Cleveland. That's the Albion Mountains. Yeah. Um, and by bringing the rocks up, you, of course, allow erosion to start eating at the rocks above that granite. And so eventually those got exposed. Um, and then you have the granite cooling and, and crystallization and stresses that create the fractures in the rock. And so that's why you get these sort of pinnacles and hoodoos and these fins of rock that kind of sit out isolated that makes it kind of look like a city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very photogenic, too. You right, know? Yeah, like, great uh, rock climbing. Great rock climbing. People all over the world come to rock climb over yeah, there. It, it's, it's like it's, it's, a it's a hot destination. Yeah, I'm itself. a rock climber myself, and it is the number one like climbing destination in Idaho. Oh, okay. Um, so you do you practice at gems gem uh... Yeah, I, I climb at Gemstone. Oh, yep. okay. And then, so and then after you go good enough, then you're like I'm off to City of Rocks. Yeah, after you get some more experience and education and you kind of know what you're doing, then you yeah, you go out to City Rocks. You really go to City Rocks as a beginner. You just have to have someone there to kind of set things up for you. Set things up and it's like it's okay. It's a great place to learn. It's low angle, so you can stay on your feet more. Mm. Um it's nice and grippy, good, hard, resistant rock. I went over there looking for some kind of window rock or something uh -huh. like that. But, and I'm like, where? I did a whole loop around this, you know, yeah, like a you rock. It. <laughs> it's apparently up top. Right. Yeah, there's a and, big, a big buttress with a, a kind of hole near the top, and that's yeah. window rock. Yeah, I was like, where the heck is this window rock? I, I'm like, I did the loop twice. <laughs> I'm like, I never saw a this damn window rock. So you still up. haven't seen it, or you? Did well, no, I never uh, climbed up uh, oh. that. Uh, you, I'm can gonna, you can see it from the bottom. You can kind of. Yeah, I was like, I was like, you yeah. kind of find it, go back, and it's like, oh, there it is. If you want to go through the window, you got to get up there. Oh, yeah. you can. You can go through the window itself. Yeah, you can climb up there. No, so, I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Um, so this is where you primarily go rock climbing and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Uh, right. Is there any other places that you go rock climbing around uh, here or um, just in general? Yeah, so City Rocks is like a big rock climbing destination. Um, locally for people in Twin Falls, we have places in the canyon. So down by Shoshone Falls oh. and at Durkee's Lake. There's oh, yeah. Some climbing there. There's some really, they already have like the... The, the bolts. The bolts or mm -hmm. crimps, I don't know what they're called. Yeah, the bolts just are what we clip uh, a carabiner with a rope to to protect the climber if they fall or we use it for the anchors gotcha so yeah. you can do some practicing locally here right. and you just typically just go to jerky's lake yeah. um and we have uh like csi and there's other venues like gemstone and other places that offer classes so like someone wanting to get into climbing could learn oh they they take you out there and to teach you yeah you can we have clinics offered through csi where you can kind of go from you know zero to hero like you know from the the climbing gym out to doing it on your own because uh, climbing is a weird sport you know like if you want to be a mountain biker 
you could go buy a mountain bike at Bull Moose and go down to the trail and you're a mountain biker. You'll figure it, you'll figure it out, right? Yeah, that's what I did. But, yeah, I was but, like, I was like, I'm a mountain biker going right. down. I was like, this is dangerous, but right. so much fun. And you might get you know? hurt, but you're doing it, right? Yeah, but yeah. Climbing's a little different because you know you'd have to be pretty pretty ignorant to go buy a climbing rope and a harness yeah, and then just not, go out and be like, well, I'll figure it out or I'll watch no, YouTube. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. So there's a skill set. There's a, uh, you know, uh, there's a barrier to entry there. You have to have like a certain amount of knowledge and skill mm-hmm. to kind of be able to do this sport. I like the idea of going down. That's uh, repelling. Yeah. Repelling. I need to get uh, into like, I need to get good at repelling down because places that I want to go to, yeah. I need to repel down. I'm yeah. not going up. I need to go down. Right. You know? Uh, so I'm like, I was like looking into, they even have like these things where it's like a motorized one now. Yeah. Uh, well, like at the climbing gym, they have the auto belays that lower oh, you slowly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah really? Yeah. Uh, no, no. This is like a machine it runs on battery. You take it outside. You take it outside. Uh, like right? a reverse winch or something. Yeah. It's a thing. reverse winch. Yeah. Right. So you just go boop and it goes right. straight up. You go. I think the guy was trying to pitch this idea to base jumpers because they got to walk it out and then they're like hey you get this winch and straight up up. i was like i was like i don't know if that's gonna work where are they gonna anchor it to yeah uh, i mean it could anchor to the bridge it just needs a whole body weight yeah yeah maybe not attaching anything to the bridge would be a bad idea itself yeah that'd be interesting what what uh is something interesting that you found that you're like well this is some interesting you know you know information that i don't think that many people know about has anything like that popped into your with, head with geology with geology around in this area yeah like you're um, like i don't think that many people know about this i think the bonneville flood is one i'm the actually bonneville flood is so confusing and that's yeah. at least you're clearing it up for people here Thank yeah God. and i'm putting i have a youtube channel and i'm, I'm putting together like a little kind of guess lecture thing that I, that i want to like explain it from start to finish and show people some of this so so that's one um, that's probably the big theme out there. The wonderful thing. Um, I constantly find just cool little, you know, just hiking in the canyon and, and climbing and stuff. I stumble across things where I'm like, oh my gosh, that, I can't believe this is here. And of course, it's it's geologic, geologic feature that mm-hmm. I understand. One of the cool things I found a couple of years ago was down by Pillar Falls. Um, Falls. Okay. On yeah. the north side of the canyon. So a couple buddies of mine discovered a new climbing area down there. And okay. you have to like repel and it's kind of hard to get to. But once you get down there, it's a really nice little wall for climbing. And just to the right of it or to the east, the, the cliffs like come down. And what is down there, this is a little hard to explain, but there's what we call a paleo channel. So there's the Snake River down where it is today. Mm-hmm. But preserved on the cliffs on the north side of the canyon, on the Jerome side, is um, a layer, kind of a lens-like layer of gravels okay. with big, you know, fist-sized, baseball-sized rocks, um, very well-rounded. And then there's a little bit of sand sitting on top of that, and it's maybe 100 yards wide. And then there's some lava on top of that that's what we call pillow lava. And the pillow lava forms when lava goes into the water, it forms these big rounded shapes. And what it all means, the cool part of the story, is that's the ancient channel of the Snake River. So the Snake River used to flow through there. Mm -hmm. Um, But like we talked about, every so often a volcano would erupt, go into Mm -hmm. the Snake River, dam it up, and it gets moved. So you can actually see a former path of the Snake River preserved on the walls of the Snake River. If you know exactly where to look, from, you can see it across the canyon from like the Evil Knievel jump site. But it would take probably a little arm waving and and explanation and maybe some binoculars. But it's really cool. Like the gravels are big rounded rocks that are coming out of the Tetons. Oh. Um, it's clearly like a riverbed 
um, and then you have these pillow lavas on top of it. So the, wow. the story is, yeah, really cool. W what should people kind of look for when they're out looking at the Snake River? Is there some kind of like, okay, the top layer is this or so forth? Do you see, like when you look at the Snake River, do you see almost kind of like the cake levels or cake layers. Yeah, but it's tricky because unlike the Grand Canyon where the layers are the same, like so yeah. if you're on the north rim of the canyon, I'm on the south rim of the Grand Canyon, we're both on the same rock layer that used to be there and then the river cut between us. Yeah. In the Snake River Canyon, it's different because again, these lavas keep filling it in, it keeps getting shifted. So if you're standing across the bridge on the Jerome side and I'm standing over by the visitor center on the south side, we're actually not standing on the same exact lava flow. Mm. Um, you're the, on the Jerome side, the rocks are like 95,000 years old. And on the Snake River side, they're a lot older than that. They're like more like 200, 300,000 years old. Uh, and so they don't match up. Um, I mean, but when I go out there, I think anyone, just observations are good. So even if you're not a geologist, like just looking at something and, and having curiosity about like, well, what could this be? And mm -hmm. You know, and how did this get here? And uh, geology is not a complicated science. It's not neutrons and protons and things you can't yeah. see. It's stuff you can see. Yeah. Um, and we can make the connection between, okay, here's a lava erupting in Iceland today. And then we can look at stuff that might have happened thousands of years ago in Idaho. And we can put those together. So it's like a very ob observer-friendly kind of science. And gotcha. So, yeah. What, what can you tell me about, like, the aquifer? You know, we right. have the, we are on the biggest aquifer, you know, like this has got to be the biggest one in the world. No, or? no, 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 it's not. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty big. Though. It's, it's big. It's significant because I, I think it's one of the biggest fractured rock aquifers. So aquifers is just groundwater, right? Mm -hmm. uh, most aquifers are in like sand and gravel. So if you go underneath like Salt Lake City, they've got plenty of groundwater down there. If you go underneath, you know, Denver, Colorado, Phoenix, Arizona, there's, these valleys where there's lots of groundwater underneath the valley, but it's always in like sediment, sand and gravel, loose stuff. Yeah. Our aquifer is in solid rock. So all the aquifer, all the groundwater in Southern Idaho in the Snake River Plain is in the fractures, the little pore spaces in that lava rock, oh. in the basalt. And so it's not like, I was always kind of like envisioning maybe like there's a lake underneath. Yeah. Uh, those, but, can, those can exist, but they're pretty rare. So I, yeah, that's but, not... But that's not the case. It's, no. it's just the water, the aquifer is going through the fractures mm -hmm. of the uh, lava the rock. rock itself. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. And then they basically eject at, uh, like, why, why is it ejecting at uh, Thousand Springs or so forth? Is it just kind of like, that's like where it's like the... Again, a map would be helpful here. So if you look at the Snake River, uh -huh. it kind of flows through Twin Falls. It flows from east to west, more or less, right? Yeah. But around Hagerman and Buell, the river takes a, a bend to the north. Mm, so okay. the river, is, instead of going west, the river starts heading north. From Buell, basically, to Bliss, it's going more or less due north. At the same time, the groundwater is moving also east to west, parallel to the Snake River, we don't have a lot of springs here in the canyon in Twin Falls because the snake, the aquifer is over on the other side in Jerome moving to the west parallel to the Snake River. But where it makes that north bend in uh, around Hagerman and Buell, that's where the Snake River Canyon intersects the groundwater that's moving to the west. And that's why you get so many springs at Box Canyon and Blue Heart and Thousand Springs, all those places. And speaking of Box Canyon, so Box Canyon 
then had to originate from a spring and then that just carved the water out or how did how does box canyon even get made yeah then? the original ideas were exactly what you said the original ideas were okay we got a big spring here yeah and the spring is causing uh, the rocks to fall and so over time that's creating this canyon yeah right well if that's the case then you should have a whole bunch of rocks filling that canyon so all the rocks that kind of ca that cave, cave off in. and yeah. cave in should all be sitting there but they're not the canyon's pretty much rock free right it's mm -hmm. been excavated and so um some researchers went in there just in the last maybe 10 15 years and if you go to the head of box canyon and look at the basalt there you can see these very clear the rock is very polished Mm -hmm. It has uh, striations, like scratch, not really scratch marks, but it's been, it's basically been sandblasted and you can see the direction that it moved. And so the story there is a big flood. Now it's not the Bonneville flood. Uh, we think it was a different flood. We think maybe, we're not sure, but maybe it was either the Bigwood River or some other river that f came down into the Snake River Plain, started flowing over the canyon rim and eventually cut back to form so, Box Canyon and so, eventually cut deep enough that you intersect the spring, the groundwater. So it cut from... Uh, so, East to west. So from the Snake River into Box Canyon itself. Right, so... Mind so, blown. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> right, so anytime you have a waterfall, Niagara Falls or whatever, if you yeah. think about water going over the yeah, lip it goes of the over, falls, yeah. but it, it chips away at the rock. Yeah. So every waterfall on the planet is in the process, maybe slow, maybe fast, of moving upstream. Yeah. Shoshone Falls in... 10,000 years will be over towards Murtaugh. It won't be where it is today because it will slowly erode the lip of that, that cliff. So, so you're also saying that Shoshone Falls is moving backwards, but in a pace that we're not seeing in like our lifetime or anything well, like that. Well, and it probably isn't moving much at all now because we've got the, the river so regulated with dams and canals and diversions. Yeah, so, yeah. But if you could completely unleash the Snake River as it once was in its former glory, mm -hmm. it would for sure have the energy and ability to cut back and have that waterfall retreat eastward That's, again maybe like you know a couple like, inches a year not very fast oh like so like thousands of yeah, years like where... yeah and by the time you're an old man it maybe has moved like six feet <laughs> yay right? you know? but you give it a couple thousand years and you know hey, geologic time then right? you're moving and that falls back that's right. so cool i never even thought that was even possible i always thought like that's where it's at it's never gonna move but like what you're saying right. is like no 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 water will cut that down and then it'll just move it backwards yeah. itself so I guess, you know, you know, just give it some time. You know? Right, geologic time. It, it'll it'll time. move back itself. Right. Another one that uh, I was, that's just, I'm just so mind blown by <laughs> Box Canyon because I go scuba diving there and right. the water is so clear. It's deep enough-ish, not super deep, but... Uh, right. But it's so clear, and that's all. So, like, is there any reason why it stopped at the... Uh, um uh, the spring where because like if you look at the box canyon there's like two pools up top right mm -hmm. and then what the main spring comes out from like the back one or something right. like that and then it feeds into another one and then it's just kind of like yeah and it goes over the waterfall, waterfall and, yeah. and then right. off it goes itself so we think those two upper pools at the head of the canyon are plunge pools plunge pools so imagine water going over the lip of it when that thing was a flood oh, okay and and cutting and making a big hole right that's yeah. that's common at the bottom of a waterfall you expect to find a big plunge pool and the the energy of the water falling off the waterfall is sufficient enough to kind of 
cut and excavate that big hole, that big plunge pool. And so when you look at those two clear pools that you go scuba diving in at the head of the canyon. Well, I don't typically go scuba diving in the top ones there. Right, it's always like that, well, the bottom one yeah, at the, the end. Yeah, where the trees are in the uh, water. Yeah, yeah. Where, the, where it kind of like, it almost got like a settling pool or something like that. Well, and that's where there's been diversions and mm -hmm. I don't gotta, know how they gotta go in. They got it going into like a canal of some right, sort. And I think it goes, hatchery. yeah, it goes under, this blew my mind. Like, I was like, where does this water go to? It looks like it goes under the Snake River through a tube. I was like, what? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if they've diverted it that far, but maybe. I, I know I, there's I fish at, hatcheries downstream that use that water. I looked at like old maps and I was like, what is this? And right. it looked like it was going from Box Canyon, uh, takes that kind of like that metal channel, mm. goes straight, then it goes uh, some tube under the Snake River and then straight into that other big hatchery. So that's that big hatchery across is yeah. getting Box Canyon water or something like that. They could be. I, I don't know. You I was could like, be right. Mind blown. Yeah. Well, if that's where your the land that's, is and you got to get the cold water there for the fish, then you figure it out. Yeah. I the, guess. the the well the the fish hatcheries. I my understanding is like they like the clear water mm -hmm. because it's giving something to the fish, some kind of food or something? Yeah, I'm not a bio... I don't know. I'm not a biologist, but I know that, yeah, the cold water and the fact that it's not carrying a lot of sediment, it's very clear, as you point out. Um, mm -hmm. That's an ideal habitat for, for fish. For, for some fish, like the cold water fish, like trout and bass and whatever. So, yeah, yeah, they had those uh, giant ones. What are they called? The uh, sturgeons. The sturgeons, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sturgeons love that, apparently, or yeah. so forth. Uh, yeah. But uh, another one that I was also thinking about is like, there's this devil's punch bowl. You know, there's a guy that flipped a car almost over there and the people had to rescue him. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Oh, by Malad Gorge. Malad Gorge. Yes, the devil's, uh, yeah, devil's, devil's pool or it's Devil's punch else. bowl or something like that. Yeah, where the waterfall is there. Exactly. Yeah. Is, that's, that's another canyon like uh, Box Canyon. Oh, like okay. Like another flood. The river's way too small to have cut that, so we think there was big floods coming down the Big Wood River. Oh, and then just kind of cut it. that deep of a canyon, that gorge, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And uh, let me ask you another question here. Have you ever, like, found a dinosaur? Uh, I never have, no. Sorry. What? How <laughs> dare you not um, tell us? Uh, I was I was like, I was thinking, like, maybe you found a dinosaur. Uh, well, now, wait, I actually I did. Oh, you, that well, time? it's not going to be that exciting because oh. you're, you're probably envisioning me like, you know, T-Rex tripping over like some giant bone yeah. or something like that. Um, when I was in Utah, an undergraduate, I spent uh, two weeks in the summer in southern Utah and I had a professor who was a paleontologist and he said, hey, I'm doing this research. Do you want to come down? It's a good experience. I said, sure. And we would go leave his house near Bryce Canyon National Park and drive some distance away and with a shovel, essentially, uh, dig up this cr this Cretaceous age sediments. It was so loose, though. Like calling it rock would be generous. It was loose stuff. So we'd it basically looked like dirt, right? Even though I don't like that word, you know, soil sediment. We would yeah. dig it all up into these big buckets, take it back to his house, and run it through all these screens and sieves. And so we, you know, you wash it with water. You run it through these sieves, and you start with the big sieve and catch the big stuff, and then mm -hmm. you go to smaller ones. Um, and we would find, it was really cool because there was like crocodile teeth in there, all kinds of bone fragments. Um, and yeah, we found like part, I think I found part of like a, a, a raptor claw oh. in it. Um, so it was really exciting. What's interesting though is that wasn't his like specialty. What he was mostly interested in was getting down to the tiny like sand sized stuff uh -huh. that he would then put under a microscope and he would find these little tiny bones of like basically the ancestors of mice, like rodents, these tiny little 
marsupial and other tiny mammals at that time. And that was his big thing was like figuring out the evolution of, you know, ancient mammals from the Cretaceous. So, but we did find a few dinosaur bone fragments and pieces in our, in our gotcha. analysis. Well, that's cool. I mean, like you, you like, yeah. hey, found a raptor's yeah, claw. Part of a, it wasn't full. It was part, it was broken. Yeah. But yeah. That, yeah. Well, there's so many stuff that we'll find. I like, uh, I like kind of like, I'm always hoping, oh man, I hope I run into a, like a, like a bone of some sort. Right. <laughs> but then it never happens. Well, and you're you in know? the wrong place I, for it. Yeah. All these volcanic rocks, right? <laughs> yeah. These, this is the wrong place. But another interesting spot is by Hagerman, the fossil beds. This right. is where they found that horse mm-hmm. or something like that is my understanding like an ancient horse i look at that there's a plaque over there and it'll like look how how this looked like it looks like a jungle or something like that yeah so that's all from the pliocene from about like uh, three to four million years ago uh-huh. so there used to be a big lake from hagerman all the way into boise and even into oregon there was a big freshwater lake called lake idaho um and you had streams lake coming- idaho mm-hmm. ah. So there were streams coming into it. The climate was much cooler and wetter, and so it looked more lush, like you said. And there were all kinds of cool animals living around this lake. So there was uh, mammoths and mastodons. There was sloths. There was camels, uh, and, uh, big beavers, uh, giant beavers, and all sorts of, you know, a lot of things we have today, but then also these horses, um, which were a little bit smaller than t- a modern horse. They're about the size of a zebra. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and so they found not just the horses there, but all sorts of other um, organisms, fish, lizards, snakes, you name it. It lived it's, around this lake at the time. It's all over there. Yeah. Uh, that's a very interesting uh, place to kind of just, you know, even just see in person or right. so forth. Um, is there a place that you typically like to go, even if it's not in uh, Idaho itself? Like, do you like to go to, oh, I want to go to the Grand Canyon or Zion or so forth? Do you do you enjoy going to those places and I, like exploring those areas as well too? Oh, oh for sure. I love traveling. Um, we just went to the Grand Canyon in uh, last fall and hiked across it rim to rim. Oh, I've heard about this trail. You kind of start at one point mm-hmm. and then you go to the other point and then somebody picks you up at the other point or something yeah. Yeah, my wife was good enough to drive around and a group of friends and I like hiked 24 miles down the Grand Canyon, down 5,000 feet, up 5,000 feet. Um, It was hard work. It was very tiring, but it was amazing. And the geology is fantastic. I like going to all the national parks, all the places you kind of talked about. Um, Just any any new place, or even if it's not new, just looking at, at rocks and the stories and then sharing that with people either through books or the little videos on YouTube or whatever. That's, that's my big passion right now is just getting out there and explaining things to people. Like it doesn't, it's not that complicated. And so if you just explain it in the right way, I feel like um, you can really convey a lot of information to people. Gotcha. Um, are you going to be free soloing that mountain that, uh, what's his name? El Capitan. El Capitan. Yeah. Like, can we, can we get a, like a yes on this on record? So that way people hold you accountable. No, I will always (laughs) be using a rope. You'll be always Um, using a rope. You're not free soloing. I'm not free soloing. I'm climbing with a rope. And so if I fall, there's a rope to catch me. Um, climbing's dangerous enough, even with a rope. Um, and if you free solo, you don't get a second chance typically. Yeah. There's a, it's a very, yeah. Did you ever, did you watch that uh, documentary? Mm -hmm. so good i was like this guy's crazy yeah his brain's wired a little differently than the rest of us but but what they don't point out is i think the casual person watches it and like well he's just crazy or whatever but he's really an elite climber so Mm -hmm. it's not like he just woke up one morning and said i'm just gonna go climb that four thousand foot rock he he's worked hard at his climbing craft with a rope 
in order to get to that level. And the route he climbs up El Capitan is a route that probably 95% of all climbers couldn't do even with a rope because it's oh. a it's a 513B, which means it's really hard. Yeah. So he's making moves up there that I couldn't even make even with a rope. Yeah. Or even if I weighed like 30 pounds less, I could probably not make those exact same moves. So that's an elite level climber having like the headspace and just the mental cojones, if you will, <laughs> yeah, like, to uh, be able to do that. I'm which, doing this and this, and if I mess it up, I could die. Yeah, and just, you know, most of us get, you know, five feet off the ground, and, and that fear can become, even on a rope, the fear can become almost debilitating where you can't function as well. Like, it's 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 holding you back a little bit, but somehow he's able to keep his headspace clear and, and climb at a really high level. Unbelievable. I think so. Yeah. So you think like if uh, Alex Honnold, right, mm -hmm. uh, came, what do you think challenge-wise City of Rocks would be to him? Oh, he could climb everything there pretty much. <laughs> like that, There's, and yeah, not maybe, use a rope. Probably. But again, the, the route he did in El Capitan, he rehearsed it on a rope. So oh, he okay. knew all the moves. He knew exactly where to place his foot and his hand the whole way up. He practiced, practiced, practiced it with a rope before he made the decision to go without, a rope. without a rope. Yeah. So That's... could he freestyle everything at City Rocks? Probably, but my guess is on some of the harder routes, he'd want to like at least practice practice with a rope and not have those consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I messaged him once time. One time, I was like, "Hey, man, come to City of Rocks." I never got a, <laughs> I never yeah. got a, never got a response from yeah, him. Yeah, he, he's probably too big for our pond. Yeah, he's like City of Rocks. Where right. is that at exactly? Yeah. Now, um, so this book here talks about like you said 20 different locations yeah, 23 yep. 23 different locations so if anybody gets this oh and we were talking you were talking to uh kylie maybe we're going to try to get this at 150 main itself yeah, yeah. where can else people get this book at is this on like uh, barnes and noble yeah, it's, uh, amazon it's, it's on amazon but there's places in twin and in southern idaho to get it so definitely try your local bookstore first and support mm -hmm. your local businesses but in twin falls it's at i think bull moose it's at gemstone it's at the visitor center it's at magic valley gear exchange uh, a couple different places in town, so gotcha. Parrot Center, and and you know it's got images as well too. So yeah, this there's is pictures great. So and it'll graphics. tell you like, oh, this is what he's talking about here. So basically, this is four years of you doing stuff and getting it done. Yeah. Uh, I know Samra, my sister. You know, you mm -hmm. know, uh, yeah. she was working on her like dissertation, and I'm always amazed how you guys can able to write this much yeah. text. <laughs> like what? Well, like, it's nice that it was all 23 different stories, right? So each story oh, so, was only... Oh, so then you kind of only... Right. Like, uh, I could never write like a novel from start yes. to finish. I don't have the creative juices to come up with a plot line. But really, I mean, this was just knowing what I knew about the geology of these different places, putting it together in a way that people could understand and relate and writing writing at that kind of level without all the technical jargon. Um, so it was it was work, but it wasn't it wasn't that bad. It you just kind of... You, you kind of compress it down like i need to knock out this many and then i'll do talk about this and this and this yeah, and just this. tackling it kind of one story at a time one location at a time until you know after several years you can put it all together is there one of these locations where you're like uh you were just blown away or something was so cool about it you're like this kind of stands out more than the other stories or so forth um one well there's a couple couple stories there so there's a couple places in there that i didn't think would be in the book uh -huh. i thought it was i thought initially it was too boring until i went 
went there. So like Mom Gulch was a story. It's between Chalice and Stanley. Okay. And I thought, okay, like I know what's up there. I've read the I read some papers that said there's these fossilized tree trunks up there. I'm like, okay. Huh. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, forget it. But then on a whim, I'm like, well, I need to go look at it first before I yeah. just dismiss it. So I went up there and I was just blown away with how cool the story was. Because I knew the fossilized trees would be there and they were and they're sequoias. Like they're they're related to redwoods. Basically, oh, we they're had, really big trees. Yeah, we had these massive six, seven, eight foot diameter trees living in Idaho 50 million years ago when it was like like the Pacific Northwest coast, like wet and, and cool. Um, but there was all these cool volcanic features that I didn't think would be there. So you saw that uh, the trees itself there, right. are they they're, sticking they're stumps. out? Yeah, there's stumps they're and stumps. they have fences around them, uh, but they stick up maybe like the stumps are still, you know, six, seven feet diameter and they stick up six, seven feet into the air. Okay. Uh, and, they're, and now they're they're fossilized, so it's it's rock, right? It's petrified wood. Petrified wood mm -hmm. itself. So right. that's what happens with trees after a while. It's, wood becomes stone? Yeah, so they had these big volcanic eruptions uh, that probably killed the trees. We don't know that yeah. for sure, but these trees died at some point, and then that ash in the in the water moved down through the, the, the wood and replaced it all, all the wood and cellular oh, okay. material cellular with, with mineral. Oh, okay. And so that's how they became fossilized. But there was a lot of stuff. That, and, and you said, where is this at again? Is that it's called Malm Gulch, M-A-L-M. Malm, M-O-M, no, like Malm? Oh, M-A-L-M. Mom, like calm, calm, but mom. mom, yeah, calm, mom. There you go. <laughs> I think that would be really cool to see these trees too. Yeah. It's uh, only a mile hike. It's a place that it's not well signed. There's a little sign by the highway, but there's not. And how were you doing your research about these places? Were you just kind of like, uh, like having an idea? But did you just reach out to other, like, uh, Look at other books. I reached out to some other geologists. So I had a, a, a great lady, a uh, retired geologist from, uh, I think she worked for the USGS, that lived in Chalice at the time, mm -hmm. uh, named Falma Moy, who showed me around Mom Gulch the first time. So mm -hmm. sometimes I had people kind of take me there and show me the story. And then I had to decide, well, does this go in the book or does it not? Sometimes it was serendipity and just like random luck. Sometimes I knew kind of what was there already and had done the research and, and wanted to put that in there. So it just depended, you know, yeah. a mixture for sure. I feel like, uh, like, uh, I feel like everybody now needs to get this book, you know, like read it. Yeah. Uh, I, I see think it. it's a great resource for locals uh, and tourists. So, yeah. I mean, like, uh, it kind of gives you like the history of everything here. This is, you know, uh, I saw this, but I never, like, you know, I never read this. Now right. I'm kind of like, and now I'm very intrigued to go ahead and read this. Because right. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that place. But, like, now you're really offering, like, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, more knowledge to these places as well. Now, yeah. going to this book. Right. How did this book come about, and uh, yeah. what was your participation on this? So that's Roadside Geology of Idaho. I am one of three authors on that book. It, you can see it on the title page there. It says second edition. So that's a different series of books by the same publishing company. So mm -hmm. Roadside Geology is different. Basically, Roadside Geology is you're driving on Highway 89 or whatever somewhere, and you just want to know, well, what's that hill over there? And we just crossed that river with some cool cliffs and that. So basically, roadside geology explains the geology you see along that state's highways and freeways. There's one for every state, I think, or nearly every state. The original edition, so there was an edition done for Idaho. It was done in the early 80s, um, but it was in black and white. Mm -hmm. um, the maps weren't that helpful. And in the last 40 plus years, we've learned a lot about the geology of the state. So they approached me about 
putting together a new edition and I said, well, Idaho is huge. There's no way I'm doing the whole state. And so that's where yeah, that's, I started so that would be like, uh, yeah. yeah, you would be, you know, spending like multiple, multiple years on this. Right. And so that the best thing about that book are the maps. It has really amazing maps that show each highway, geologic maps that show with color what kind of rocks you're going through, how old the rocks are, what kind of rocks they are. Uh, and then it keys in like key points like, oh, that hill is a volcano and this canyon, you know, is this old, that sort of thing. So the, the, we had a, a really professional graphic designer, uh, Chelsea McRaven Feeney, do all our maps and they're just, they're awesome. I think that, that, I think that more than the writing makes the book. Uh, yeah, very... like uh, I'm looking at these graphics right now on them and it's like, this is some good stuff. They're like yeah. illustrating things like, well, this is because of this and so forth. Again. Right. It's got images on here as well. Right. I mean, I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, I need to... Uh, so did you get to, to... Did they just give you a portion? They give you like a, like a... This is the area we want you to do. So they're like, did you just do Southern Idaho? Or did you do like... Yeah. Uh, what, what, what was your kind of role? So the it? other two authors, Nike Keegan and Paul, which are both geology professors in the state, we just got together virtually by email and decided how are we going to divide the state. I don't know anything for the most part about Northern Idaho geology. I've visited there a couple times. I am not the person to tell that story. But Keegan is in Lewiston and knows mm -hmm. that area well. So he covered northern Idaho and kind of the western edge by like Riggins and Hell's Canyon. Paul is in uh, Pocatello at ISU. So he and I kind of split the southern part of the state. So I took, you know, from Twin, more or less west to Boise, up to like Stanley. He took, you know, the, e the eastern part of the state. Uh, and we divvied it up that way. The, the the struggle was we all write differently. Yeah, so and it's so, trying to put, trying to make it like uh, combine blend. all of the combine all of the yeah. writings into like a one mind or something. And like luckily, that. it's not a story. The way it's written is kind of just like highlights. Like, hey, at milepost two thirty two, if you look to the left, you're going to see this volcano. And at milepost six sixty one, there's this over here. And this is a quick little story of that. So you're, it's not like a story from start to finish like the other book. It's just mm -hmm. it's just what you see when you drive by. So it's the kind of thing where you could be driving and the person next to you like reads the book and is like, hey. They're just kind of like looking at it and yeah. like, oh, well, look at this. We're coming up on uh, a volcano. Right. Yeah. Uh, like how did that mountain get up there? Oh, that mountain was pushed up during the Boar Peak earthquake or, or whatever. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of more like, uh, you know, this is for your passenger they could yeah. be like your, your you guide. You can't read while you're driving. Yeah. You or pull over, read, then drive. Maybe, yeah. you think, is there audio books of this? I don't think so. That's a This good is what question. you need to do. You need to come in here and then just read the book right. and then you Narrate push it, it out. Bang, like, bada bing, bada yeah. boom. We've got an audio book out there too. Yeah, you know? maybe But the eventually. images uh, are also really great too. It's just visually seeing uh, what's on here itself. Do right. you plan to do more books uh, like this? Or is there like going to be like, a, is there anything that like you're working on or like you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted writing these books. Um, I did those two. I might do, this is like a small chance, uh, a geology underfoot for Northern Utah, which mm -hmm. I know is not part of Idaho, but I grew up in that area. There's not a book for that. There's a Southern Utah, there's Southern Idaho, but there's not Northern Utah. And so I might do that one. But right now I'm really into this, this YouTube channel I'm putting together and getting YouTube. these little field videos out and just videotaping stuff when I'm traveling that explains things to people, whether it's something under the Prine Bridge or down at Zion National Park. Mm -hmm. um, so right what's, now... So again, let's maybe for the people that don't know your right. YouTube channel itself, what's the YouTube channel itself? Uh, so it's just my name, Sean Wilsey. And mm -hmm. again, it's just field-based videos. So I, 
They're completely <laughs> low budget. Not they're not yeah, edited. Yeah, it's just you. It's kind of like you go out there and you're like yeah. set up a camera and then you're like, okay, check this out, you right. guys. So it's not as slick as a Hey Arnell production. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I'm flying <laughs> drones. I'm like right. miking people up. I'm like, we need the perfect audio. I'm like, let's. If I could, yeah. I would bring these mics out in the field too. Yeah, but my, you know, <laughs> mine's just a GoPro. Um, and it, but the quality I think is good enough. And mm -hmm. it's just me explaining. Cool geology when I see it, when I'm out traveling in like five to 10 minute bites. Uh, and then I might start putting together like the Bonneva flood we talked about. I yeah. might start putting together a bit longer, more like kind of like classroomy lecture type things where I explain, you know, the, the story of bigger things that take more time to explain. I think it's a great thing that you're doing because somebody's got to preserve this information. Otherwise, right. it goes on to a book. And then if nobody, that book may just be... It goes out of print, maybe. Maybe out knows? of print. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. you know, who knows what happens to a yeah. book or so forth. So it's almost kind of like trying to preserve the knowledge that you have itself. Right. And it seems like you got a lot of knowledge that you can just like, you're like, bam, well, bam, bam. And to be fair, the knowledge I have comes from others, right? So yeah. I'm not the one doing the research on Box Canyon and, and doing these things, but I can read all those geology papers. I mean, this is the way science works, right? We publish these fancy journal articles and papers to other scientists, and then it just stays there. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm basically being the go-between between all these cool discoveries being made in geology and the public. So I'm yeah. just taking those articles, learning what, what was you know discovered and then explaining it in a little bit easier to understand little, terms. Yes. Yeah. You're simplifying it right. for the common folks like me. Right, but know? it's not dumbing down at all. It's just we use, sometimes we just overly use too much jargon and technical, you know, and, and this is true of it in any field, right? You know, mm -hmm. you can just get in too deep in the weeds. Uh, and I think there's a way to explain it to the public that makes perfect sense. They're plenty smart enough. Uh, yeah. You just got to explain it the right way. Uh, and people are interested in it. And so it's it's been fun to do. So Yeah. Um, and here's, you know, thinking back to your YouTube channel, I think uh, one I watched for sure was about the TP Rocks. Oh, I haven't done one on TP Rocks I yet. I could have swore you did one no. about TP Rocks. Are you sure? I did one on Little City of Rocks up by Gooding. I'm pretty sure I saw TP Rocks well, and you're like... someone else. <laughs> somebody, you got right. a clone or right. something? Right, my doppelganger's Somebody was saying this is TP Rocks. This is how, like... Uh, how that you've yeah. been out there, right? I have, and I just haven't done a video out there yet. Maybe I'm, I'm, we're gonna have to find this video. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm, either there's yeah, a clone or somebody, somebody <laughs> scooping your idea itself. Right. I think, I think it's great. Um, I think another thing we were looking into is like trying to put that information in the app, the Visit Southern Idaho right. app. I think we need to get back on that because we kind of, yeah. we kind of almost feels like we dropped the ball. It was like, here's yeah, how you do we this. Both did, I think. We, we were both... like, I got so much other stuff. Like right. the app I think is I like... got a couple on there and then. Did I... you? Yeah, yeah, but then I kind of forgot about it. And so it's as simple as we, linking them. It's not yeah, that hard to do. Yeah, it's like taking embed code. So some of them are, you know, in the app as well. But for sure, if everybody wants to see your stuff uh, right. of the ones that you've done, it's on the YouTube channel right. itself. Uh, and uh, is, is is that kind of like your kind of goal is just give all this knowledge out to... I just like sharing. And so I'm not trying to, you know, the books, I the books are, you know, the, none of this is making me rich. The yeah, books, it's I think like, I get like, like a so buck fifty us, per book. You know, yeah, you're telling us you're not a millionaire no, from these No, they, these aren't Harry Potter books. These aren't, you know, uh, you know, so the financial gain, it's, it's not a big deal. It's just another venue. So I've got like, you know, the, the signs behind Canyon Crest, the the YouTube thing, the the books, um, hmm. just me and you maybe doing the thing with the app or whatever, like just different 
trying to reach the public through different channels and venues so that there's more geologic information out there. Yeah, um, you just want everybody to know about the rocks. Yeah, I, I want, I, you know, it's just like anything in life. When you have something good and awesome, you, you kind of want to share it. You know, like this mm-hmm. is, you know, the, this chocolate candy is really good. Yeah, I know. Some sometimes when I eat an right. amazing burger, I'm like, you guys got to try right. this burger. Right. We like to share things. And, and I would like Southern Idaho residents and tourists to like know more about the area instead of just, oh, it's so pretty and scenic. And, and we, then they're out. And we scuba dived, at, you know, Blue Heart Springs. And we did this and we did this. Like, like well, like, because some people really want to know. They, yeah, like, well, how, how did that, you're going to have to figure out if my whirlpool theory is correct. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. <laughs> so double check on that because I've been it's telling people. It's not the worst thing I've heard, that's yeah. for sure. So. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, and I wish it was also deeper uh, over yeah. there, you know, and it's obviously now it's getting overrun by people. The more oh, people so know about it. We got you know, the thing is, like, there's a fine line of, like, releasing enough information. Because if you release too much information, then people go to them right. and so forth. Yeah. And then it's got packed and you don't have it all to yourself. Well, the things so you and I do, we're, we're kind of our own worst enemies, yeah, right? We're, we're telling own... people about it and yeah. then we complain when they're all there. So. Yeah, exactly. We're our own worst enemies. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, look at this amazing uh, cave or so forth. Right. And then I'll go to, like, you know, like, uh, you've been to, you must have been to, like, the... The one at uh, um, the lava flows. Jeez, what I'm like, my brain Craters, like, of, the craters of the moon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that one with the holes or yeah. so forth. Mm-hmm. Lot of lot of lava tubes around mm-hmm. here itself. Right. And you studied that stuff as well too. Yeah, I mean, I know enough to explain lava tubes and how they form and some uh-huh. of the cool things you see on the inside. Yeah. Mm. How, how does you know like. I go into, like, there's a lava tube here. Um, clay caves? The clay caves. Yeah, I love that one. Right. That's, like, a good one. It's a pain in the butt to get to. Right. Uh, I mean, like, you have to have, like, a really high clearance car. I usually walk to it, to be right. honest, because I never, I'm like, my car's never going to make it here. So that one has a cool, real quick aside story, because most lava tubes are, you know, just solid rock, and they're cool, but clay caves has clay in it. Yeah. So the question is, like, well, Can, where'd that come from? Yeah, yeah. But if you look where it is, if I look on a map of where Clay Caves is or on Google Earth or whatever, what? it's right in the path of the Bonneville flood. So during the Bonneville flood, that cave was flooded with water, mm-hmm. flood water, that was carrying clay, like fine silts and clays, fine grain material. So when the water kind of subsided and settled down, it deposited, deposited that clay, clay in the cave. Somebody told me they were like... Uh... I went in there, got some clay, and then made some clay sculptures or yeah. something like yeah. that. I was like, that's amazing. That's yeah. so hilarious. Right, but that's probably, uh, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but that's the most logical reason why there's clay in that specific clay cave. Because you don't see that in most lava tubes. Yeah, I was like, clay cave, and it's actual clay there yeah. itself. good name. Um, now, as far as like the lava tube itself, like, oh, so I understand like the, the way I'm seeing the lava, I envision it as like a solid like like a kind of like almost kind of like a like a liquid but that's almost kind of like a solid so it's punching through a hole like that how does the right. inner forms of like the, does it expand out and then that way you're left with that uh, circular thing like how does that happen right so it starts out as a lava flow on the surface right just regular lava flow yeah but, the, but this but the outer edge of the flow cools and crystallizes quickly because it's in contact with the air well rocks are really good insulators so after mm-hmm. the lava flow solidifies it has this little thin crust on the outside but the inside stays molten Okay. So, yeah. it can, so that lava flow continues to move until the eruption and the supply of lava decreases, and then it's a hollow tube left oh. behind, and now you have a cave. Yeah. And some of the ones in Hawaii, we've been in one in Hawaii, all the ones around here are 
old, you know, like thousands of years. But the, there's one in Hawaii that's uh, 120 years old. So it's not that old. And oh, you, really? You can still go through it. Yeah, near Hilo. Jeez, um, that's like not that. Uh, that's like a fresh cave itself. Yeah, uh, but it still has like fern uh, roots hanging down out of it, and it drips water and that sort of thing. There's a few. There's a bunch of caves also near like. Uh, uh, like where Dead Horse Cave is and yeah, stuff like gooding. that, mm-hmm. by Gooding itself. Yeah. I've always only been... Teapot tea, or Tea Kettle. Tea Kettle yeah. Cave, the Dead Horse Cave. I really like mm-hmm. those. Well, I, I primarily like... My favorite cave, I would say, is the Tea Kettle Cave. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to uh, the one at uh, the... It craters the moon. Craters of the moon. Yeah. Uh, Indian th- Tunnel. I've never been to that uh, one. There's a couple at Craters. There's Boy Scout Cave, Beauty Cave. I think Dude, the Beauty one with the, the with, with the with the holes, and then there's like a little kind of mm-hmm. like you got you go down the stairs. Uh, the I, one you can walk through without putting on a headlamp or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Indian Tunnel. Oh, that's Indian mm-hmm. Tunnel. That one's cool. That's a great one for people to access that isn't too claustrophobic and you don't I, need a flashlight. I told people that that was the that was like underneath Twin Falls. Oh, well, you need to stop telling people geologic stories. <laughs> yeah, these were like... You're banned. Ma- yeah, like, <laughs> this, is, this, this stuff gets me in trouble. Right. Because, like, I'm at, uh, I'm at that cave, right? Mm-hmm. Giant, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm here underneath Twin Falls. <laughs> this is the Prine Cooley Cave. Right. And... Everybody's like, right? You're misleading the masses, I'm Arnell. Mis- you're, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're I'm like trying, trying to, to preach the truth, and you're, <laughs> you're out trying, there to, yeah, you're steering. You're like the devil on their shoulder, taking yes. them in the wrong direction. I'm like, I'm like, this is the Prine Cooley Cave. <laughs> it's underneath. People are like messaging me. They're like, how do I get into this? Right. You know, like amazing wonderland right. under. It wouldn't be so bad if you if you didn't know you were telling them the wrong thing, but you clearly did. Yeah, I clearly (laughs) did. I was like, this. I'm like, clearly people will know that this is not true, or people would know of this. You can't assume. And I just assume that people. (laughs) It's. I don't know. I feel like. uh, Like I'm the. I'm like like that, you know, the boy that cried wolf right. too many times, yeah, you know. They'll call no, you on it eventually. No, they're not, nobody's gonna believe anything right. that I say because, like, right. I'm like, I found Atlantis, and if I really found Atlantis, then they won't believe you. They right? won't believe me. When you say the sky is falling, they'll be like, "Oh, it's just dark." Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 he's making a silly video. Don't believe any of right. this. <laughs> so, so now I'm like, all right, we need to go back to. Everything that Arnell says right. is, you know, has some value or something. Yeah, like, yeah, try to be, I mean, it's hard to be truthful all the time, yeah. you know, but you just try to, you know, be as, or when you don't know something, you say, I don't know, but here's my best guess. Yeah. Have you seen those tunnels that are actually underneath, like in the, you know, there's a few, we're not going to say where they're at. People always. Under the ho- old hospital and yeah, by Rock Creek. Yeah. I haven't seen them. I've just heard the stories. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh. I don't, like, know, I don't know where they are. I just yeah, oh, heard the stories. Okay, good, yeah. good, good. We got to keep yeah. this stuff oh, okay. on the download. So. You can edit that out. <laughs> I know, this is joking. Uh, they're really, uh, they're, you, most of them are like blocked off. And uh, there is right. one that you can kind of see. Uh, and I was like, I want to go in, but it's probably dangerous. You know? Right. Uh, don't go in. Don't don't yeah. don't do, don't die. Don't do what I do. I always tell people like, listen, you can watch me do stuff, but don't do what I do. Right. Okay, it's a bad idea because like, right. uh, at that uh, overlook itself, I was like, I'm gonna get down there. I got halfway down. I was like, this is dangerous. Right. When your spidey senses tell you this is a bad idea, you should listen. Yeah. Right. Don't do what I do. Right. 
Well, um, I think we got a good lecture here, I feel like. Is there anything else you think we should talk about? Uh, I think we kind of covered a lot of things here. Yeah. Is there something that I'm like, you gotta, I got to tell you about this? Is there anything um, else that kind of comes in your mind that uh, you're like, before we go, let me tell you this? Right. No, like, I, I think we covered a lot of the cool hotspots in southern Idaho. Mm -hmm. um, there's and obviously people need more. to get the book. Yeah, the books are great as a nice you know, guidebook if you want to explore these in a little more detail or know exactly where to go. I think the books are helpful. Um, there's just so many great ways to get out and explore now. There's lots mm -hmm. of different ways to get information, obviously. But um, I think we just live in a cool place. And I think the more people just get out and explore it. They'll be curious about how it got there and, um, you know, hopefully find the, a, the book or a book or something like yeah, that. Kind of tell them what, what they're actually yeah. staring at other than like, Oh, that's cool. You yeah. Know? And I'm still learning too. There's still lots of parts of Idaho I haven't explored and I need to learn better. And so I'm constantly on the yeah. lookout for knowledge Constantly and learning, right? don't That's... listen to what Arnell says. <laughs> right. with I've got to correct all of Arnell's like, <laughs> yeah, you might need to, yeah, you might need to go and right. watch some of my videos and be like, geez, right. this guy's telling no, these people busy this. For a while. Yeah, that will probably <laughs> keep you busy for a while itself. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that's all we got on yeah. this one. Uh, it was really nice meeting you and yeah. uh, just talking to you about some of this stuff. I feel like, you know, you know, you got a lot of information and, uh, I think it needs to be preserved and you, right. you, you're doing it by YouTube books and so forth. And I think that's really great. So, great. you know, thanks for coming out and uh, just knocking on a podcast. Yeah. yeah Happy to go. do it. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, see you guys on the next one. All right. We're golden. Cool. That's it. That's a good one too. Oh, good.